are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who loves him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. All right. Um, natural person real quick, does let's, not let's take care of a couple of things. One, um, for they are I think we're going to have a slide him. up there. Uh, and he maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't in just two weeks. Discerned. Okay, just two weeks. The First of all, fellas, my gift to you, things, gentlemen, but is my himself gift to be judged by no you. one. A week for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? There it is. But we have the mind of Christ. But do you want to get your wife or fiance the perfect gift? Thank you. All right. Um, Well, the 15th and 16th of February, it's a Friday and a Saturday. It's Friday from 7 to 9 and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. right here uh, at the theater. We are having our annual uh, marriage conference, okay, Uh, The Art of Marriage, and I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to be a part of it. We've had a lot of couples go through it in the past. I know a couple of y'all in here right now uh, that if I asked you to come up, um, you would give a very encouraging testimony about what it's done in your marriage, what God used it for in your relationship. And so um, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been a part of this, uh, all it is, all we're charging is $15 a couple. Okay, uh, and that will cover um, the entire fee of the conference, other than childcare. We're not providing childcare here at the theater. Uh, we're kind of letting you take care of if you need childcare. But here's the thing: uh, if you need childcare and you're like, we don't have anybody, come talk to me. We have a list of people uh, that have been involved in childcare here at Grassroots, and they can. Um, you know, in, like be a part of that. They can set up uh, taking care of the kids. I do want to let you know, uh, this is something that encouraged Kelly and I. Uh, we had a lady from the community 
Um, real quick, I don't see any of them in here. Like literally, they're here. They're just not in here. Uh, literally. There's a, a ministry in the town called Mom's Cafe. And a lot of our moms are a part of it. And there was a lady from that ministry that heard about uh, the marriage conference and wanted to uh, encourage people to be a part of it. So she has uh, offered to pay for up to three couples for their registration and for childcare. So if you're in here and you're like, we'd love to be a part of the marriage conference, but uh, we, you know, the $15 is no problem, but we can't really afford childcare or you know, we can't really afford it, please come talk to me. Because we have a lady that has volunteered to cover that so more people can be involved in it. Um, so, so we want to we want to honor that in her trying to uh, be a part of that and, and help others out. So maybe you know somebody in the community. Maybe you have a neighbor, family uh, member, friend, something like that that would say, hey, we could... Uh, use that. We'd like to be involved in that. Maybe you could help out, okay? Uh, maybe you're in here going, you know what? Um, we're not able to do this right now, or, or we're good, but maybe you could watch kids for somebody so they could go be a part of it, okay? We want to let you know you can register online, grassrootswv.com, and uh, just find out all about that. Okay, more business, and I'm going to call it business, but it's really just glory to God. Uh, being able to play bass up here, um, I took one of my uh, earbuds out, and y'all sounded beautiful in worship today, okay? I just want to let you know you were singing out, and it was awesome, uh, but I just want to give glory to God. The Spirit took over. We had a whole nother song planned um, and didn't plan to end the way we did, so I appreciate Nick just following the Spirit. Uh, so glory to God that he uh, met with us in our worship today and that that our hearts were, were pointed towards him. I saw a bunch of y'all praying together. Y'all, this has been a good day already. Like, I'm, I'm like, let's do communion and just sing more. Like, I, it's, that's where I'm at. So, but, um, but I prepared, so you're going to listen. Uh, so, uh, no, but listen, uh, if, you're, if you're a regular, then you might see things as going a little bit different. Oaks is usually not dismissed that early. Uh, but with communion at the end, um, we're actually going to be bringing the Oaks back in. So moms and dads, you will be able to be a part of communion with your kids. Uh, we want that to be a special time for families um, as well as individuals. And so they're going to be coming back in here. So once your kids come running up to you, don't be surprised by that. All right. Uh, if you are new with us, it is good to have y'all. My name is Darren. I'm the lead elder here at Grassroots Church. Uh, we are in a series uh, in 1 Corinthians, going all the way through 1 Corinthians this year. It is called Citizen Of. And the question we are asking, real quick, pop quiz, somebody with a big voice who's been listening the last few weeks, what's the question we're asking all year long, Citizen Of? What's the question? There we go. Are you a citizen of the culture or are you a citizen of the kingdom? What is informing your decisions? How are you looking at the world? How are we looking at things that come about in our life, what God's doing? Are we looking at it through eyes of the culture or are we looking at it through eyes of the kingdom? Okay. And so if you were not here last week, which good job, Derek, and Derek does have a big voice, y'all. Um, 
If you were not here last week, uh, what we were on is, is the idea that Paul, okay, the Apostle Paul, planted this church, and we're going to read a little bit about that, and, or talk a little bit about that from Acts 18, the church in Corinth, uh, a very prominent place, a very prominent city and area. If you're not familiar with it, Corinth at its height, the population of that city and its surrounding areas would have been to the equivalent of the entire population of our state. Okay, so very big area, very populated, uh, influenced by a lot of things, a lot of trade going through there, a lot of commerce, a lot of intellect, okay? Um, they had areas in uh, the cities at that time, you know, kind of what we would think of the city center, where people literally just came together to talk about ideas. They wanted to just discuss because they were interested in wisdom. But something else that was present in Corinth was idol worship, they had a massive, uh, very uh, active uh, temple to the god Venus. And, and I've said we'll get into that in later chapters. But there's this idea of spirituality there, but also um, what we would call humanism. And humanism is the idea of uh, what you can experience with your five senses. Okay, I'm not going to quiz you on them, okay? but it is uh, taste. Smell, touch, sight, and sound. Those five senses, that's all that exists. That's all that is known. That's all we can know is what we experience with those five senses. And it's humanism. It's there is no spiritual. There is no uh, supernatural. It is all uh, a physical realm. But then that's present in Corinth. And then also present in Corinth is the spiritual. They're, they're like, there are uh, greater beings out there. There are gods out there and we will worship them and and in fact, uh, just about 50 miles away uh, from Corinth is Athens, and that is where Paul, walking through the city, uh, sees temples and, and statues to just God after God after God after God after God, even to the point of where they have a, a statue that has a, a, an inscription on it that says, to the unknown God, almost like, yes, all these gods exist, but just in case we missed one. We don't want to miss it. So, so present in Corinth is this idea that, yeah, there's a spiritual side and there's this, no, there's not. It's all physical and just kind of the, the battle between those trying to figure out what's real. And, and to a degree and, and a large degree, that's very present in America today. Uh, in my research this week, um, has anybody ever looked into or heard of something called mysticism? Anybody ever heard of... Okay, so mysticism, I, I found a, uh, an article, a website kind of dedicated to that, and, and one lady wrote an article, 10 ways that you know you're a mysticist. And I think I'm saying that right, because that's one of those words, like you're a mysticist, okay? So 10 ways you know, and, and they start listing these 10 things that show, and, and what I see in mysticism is through a human wisdom, trying to figure out, yes, we have the five senses, but we feel there's something greater out there. We don't know which one's which, and so we're going to try to marry the two together. And so here, here's an idea. Um, so in mysticism, there's this idea of um, that the universe orders everything that happens. Okay, not, not God, but the universe there's purpose behind everything that happens in the universe, and fate is controlling what we do. 
But at the same time, they believe that you make your own rules. Because as humans, we make the decisions we make. But they know there's something greater out there. There's something spiritual out there. So, so yeah, something's controlling us, but we make our own rules. Okay? Um, you know, like, like, they actually call themselves, they're known to be rebels because they go against society and against religion. But in all honesty, if you really look into mysticism, they're, they're kind of a religion all their own. And so when you look at these things that they talk about in mysticism, it's, to me, when I look at it, it's an effort to say, yes, we have human wisdom, and yes, there's something spiritual, but God's not in the equation, and they're trying to figure out what's going on without God. And so this is what they come up with. And I'll be honest, just this is kind of between us. I know this is going out on the podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by my word, but I'm going to say this as loving as I can. Um, those that would believe in mysticism, there's really some uh, almost hypocritical, in a lot of ways, oxymoronic beliefs. Kind of like what I mentioned, like, hey, something greater than us is in control, but we make our own rules. It's like, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't go together, right? Uh, when I was in college, my, my last semester in college, um, I like to put it that way because it makes it sound like I did all four years. So um, my last semester in college, I did graduate with a two-year degree, but my last semester in college, we went on a mission trip to Ecuador. We spent 10 days in Ecuador, and we traveled from town to town, city to city, sharing the gospel. We went into the villages up in the mountains. Uh, we, we actually were welcomed into a village in the mountains uh, in Ecuador that the gospel had never been into, but because we were gringos, okay, because we were white, they wanted to hear what we had to say. Even opened the local school, and the entire village came out. We went door to door for a few hours inviting the village out, and they all came because they wanted to hear what the white people had to say. And, and so we spent uh, 10 days there experiencing a great trip. Listen, if you ever get to go to Ecuador, do it. They are a sweet, sweet people. Okay? But one of the things that, that took us by surprise there, and I don't know if any of you, if your house is this way, please don't be, be angry at me. Um, we're, you know, you have questions. You know, you go to another country, how do things work? And, and one of the, are there hot showers? Yeah, yeah, we got hot showers. That's different than what you think. Okay, we walk into the bath and we go to get in the shower and instantly I'm like, nope, not happening. Because what it is, is there's a shower head that comes out that pours cold water. And right below that cold water is a heating element with the wires just above. And I'm like, nope, you know why? Because I know electricity and water do not go together especially when I step under the water. But it was normal there. Literally, you would see the shower head, a heating element underneath it, and then the wires with, you know, the wing nuts that, like, tie the... Like, that's what up above it. I'm like, listen, like, my luck is I'll go to slip, I'll go to grab, okay, and then I don't come home from Ecuador. So it's like, cold shower it is. I'm not turning that thing on. Because we, we understand, like... Electricity, water, don't mix, okay? And, and so what I feel like that we see there is um, in the church in Corinth, what Paul is dealing with is there is 
uh, a church there of genuine believers, but division has come into the church. There are people that would sit on this side that wouldn't talk to people sitting on this side, and there are people that would sit here because think they're better than the people in the back, and clearly not Baptist. And so they uh, they would not you know thinking better because hey, I was baptized. I call Christy really well. Um, I was baptized by Paul, and so uh, clearly, as Paul is our leader, um, then I am superior in this church than you and others. Going, yeah, but I was baptized by Apollos, and he's present, and. So, uh, you know, clearly I should be in charge and have more authority than you. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to go about the life of a believer that's led by the Spirit, but they're trying to do it through human wisdom. And when we try to go about the life of a Christian, of a, a follower of Christ, through our own intellect and our own wisdom, we end up with chaos. And that's what's happened here. And last week, if you were here, what Paul tried to do was actually remind everybody, listen, Christ is the center. He is our source of strength. He is our source of wisdom. He is the one we go to. And so uh, if you remember, he actually says to the Jews, Jesus is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, he's foolishness. Because what do the Jews want? They want signs of power. They want to see the authority of God rain down on all their enemies. They want delivered in that way. Give us a sign of power, God. And then they see Jesus, who's claiming to be God the Son, claiming, listen, for me to show you my power, for me to set up my kingdom, I'm going to have to be conquered. I'm going to have to be killed. And then they watch him get crucified on a cross, and they go, that's not power. So that can't be God. And he's a stumbling block. But to the Greeks, the Gentiles, they want wisdom. They want knowledge. You know, the five senses. Okay? Give us understanding what we can see. And he says, hey, here's wisdom. If you want to be first, you need to be last. And, and this kingdom I'm setting up is not going to be one that's set up through power, but through love. And they're looking at him going, basically, in essence, you're an idiot. That's foolishness. But the gospel to those who have been indwelled by the Spirit, who have been brought into the light of the gospel, it is both power and wisdom. And that's why Christ is at the center and so that's where we pick up today in uh, chapter 2. And so if you would, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I invite you. And if you're new, um, out on one of our, um, listen, they're bourbon barrels, okay? They're empty except for one, but they're bourbon barrels, all right? Um, we have these little, actually, let's just be honest, y'all know, I got mine different, mine's prettier, okay? Uh, Somebody hold theirs up. Y'all, if you got one of these, hold it up. If you got one of these, hold it up. Okay, you see them all over the place. These are uh, journals for 1 Corinthians. You can see verses on one side, places to take notes on the other. They are sitting on one of our barrels out in the lobby. There's a jar next to it if you want to donate a little bit of money. We paid three bucks a piece for them. If you're like, I don't got three bucks, just go take one. There's only 10 left. Uh, the devotionals that we had available, they're all gone. Uh, everybody has taken those, so praise God. I pray that you keep up with them, read them. But, uh, but these are available for the years we go through 1 Corinthians. But um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you would, uh, let's all go to the Lord in prayer and just do yourself a favor. Take a moment yourself. Just ask God to open your eyes and, and, and to speak through me today uh, and speak through his word. 
as we go into this time. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the letter from Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians that we have here in his letter to Corinth. And thank you for the church in Corinth that you used uh, just to guide us, um, even now, 2,000 years later. And so uh, as I speak, I pray that your spirit would lead And uh, I pray that your spirit would have victory in this room. Uh, Change our hearts, change our minds today. Uh, Renew our minds, Lord. And if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, draw them in with the beauty of your gospel today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, verses one through five, we're just going to read that. Did he say amen? Sweet. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, And I, when I came to you, so this is Paul speaking, brothers, did not come proclaim to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Okay, So once again, like it's not an earthly wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. If you're a note taker, I want you to underline that statement. With, fear, uh, with weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words or wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Something that we've got to come to grasp with, y'all, we've got to grasp, we've got to come uh, to an understanding of is the power of the gospel is not in our ability to share it. The power of the gospel is not in our ability to share it, but the gospel is powerful when we do share it. So how do we share it? We first share it by showing people how it's changed our lives. That's where we, that's where we start, okay? We share it by first showing people how it's changed our lives, and then we're able to share why it's changed our lives. So we start with what our lives look like. Are they centered on Christ? Are they centered on the gospel? And we live that out. And then when we are able to discuss with somebody, we actually are able to share why it's changed us. And so um, Paul tells us this back where I had you underlined in verse three. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So I think we often get this picture of Paul like just up in front of thousands, just kind of bold, like I might be alone, but I'm gonna preach it. And, and we see in times he does do that. But in his honesty to the church at this moment, he is saying, I was afraid among you. I was in fear, I was in much trembling. I was, it was hard among you. And if you go back to uh, Acts chapter 18, nine through 11, it actually talks about how he was praying and he was you know, kind of reaching and God just spoke to him and said, Do not be afraid. Go on preaching. I will look after you. I am with you. Also, I have a people in this city, and they will be with you. So so God is communicating to Paul, I know you're afraid, but don't be afraid. Trust me. Go on preaching. My church is present, and they'll be with you, and I'll be with you. And so We've got to quit thinking that the power of the gospel is in, is in our ability to share it, but remembering that the, the gospel is powerful when we do share it. And so um, kind of help us understand this. Has anybody ever heard of something, and, and don't get confused, it's actually a, a doctrine called the free grace gospel. I read a book about this by Wayne Grudem. He's a college professor in Arizona, um, theologian, if you 
want a good book by him. He's got a book, Systematic Theology. It's thick, okay? It's big, but you don't have to, sit, you don't have to read through the whole thing, you know, reference it. But, but Wayne Gurdon wrote a book on the free grace gospel. I read it over vacation, and so I read it in a week, which means most of y'all probably read it in a day, okay? Um, but the idea of the free grace gospel is that um, salvation, and this is what they say, salvation is by grace alone. Amen? Yes. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to God's glory alone, and we trust in Scripture alone. All right? But it's by grace alone, meaning this, okay? All you have to do is come to a mental assent that Jesus was real, he did die on the cross, and it was for your sins. It does not have to be followed with a heart change. It does not have to be followed by repentance of your sin or a change of your life. All you have to do is ascend mentally to, yes, Jesus was real, yes, he died on the cross, and yes, it was for our sins, and you're saved. And your life might look no different ever again, but you're saved because it's free grace. Now, I would just encourage you, if you're going, I don't see the problem in this. First of all, read your Bible. I love you. Read your Bible. Second of all, go to the book of James. Read the letter from James. Half-brother of Jesus to the church. Read it. But what's going on there is, is this, this free grace gospel is saying it's a, it's a human wisdom. Your salvation would be based on a human wisdom. You have ascended mentally to understand that, yes, Jesus was real. Yes, he died on the cross. And yes, it was for our sins. Okay. Yeah, I'm in on that. Sure. That's based, your salvation would be based on a human wisdom. And Paul is telling us it's not based on a human wisdom, but on the power of the Spirit. Look at verses 6 through 9. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Okay, now, I'm going to say this real quick. Christians are not mindless idiots, okay? We're not wandering around going, I guess Jesus, I hope Jesus, and, and ignoring common wisdom, all right? Now, we do walk by faith and not by sight, but there is wisdom. But look what he says. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to what? Pass away. The wisdom of this age will die. But the wisdom he's talking about is different. Look at this. But we impart a what? A secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. And I love it. He said, for if they had, okay, if they'd have had the understanding, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There's a really good example of this. Um, anybody ever read Chronicles of Narnia? Raise your hand if you've read Chronicles of Narnia. Any of them? Okay. Now, how many of you have seen the movie? Right? Many more hands. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, I'm in the movie camp. But I've got all the books, and I'm going to get to them, okay? But there is something from this that I, I, I want you to know. So uh, in Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe, which uh, is the first movie, but the second book, 
Okay, it's the first movie in the series. There's three movies, but this, it's the second book. And what's happened is uh, one of the brothers has betrayed the good guys. And he's gone over to the evil ice queen. Okay, and uh, Aslan, who is the lion, who's actually the creator of Narnia, he's the one that breathed life into Narnia. He's the ruler of Narnia. All right, he's kind of the type of God. Okay, he's our picture of God in the Chronicles of Narnia. And he actually comes to the queen and says, I will put my life in his place. Because in Narnia, the, what they call the deep magic requires that a traitor be sacrificed. And so Aslan, this, this picture of God, says, I will go in his place. And, and the witch is, is happy because if she can get rid of Aslan, then she can take over Narnia. And so if you've seen the movie, listen, if you've seen the movie, you know it is a brutal scene, especially like you're watching Aslan walk up and there's all these enemies, these creatures yelling and, and screaming. They end up knocking him over and cutting all of his mane off and mocking him and kicking him. And, and it's just so much joy around this brutality. And if you sit there picturing, that was Jesus, surrounded by enemies, so joyous at his death. And I remember just sitting there just for Aslan, feeling so alone and wondering how Jesus felt. And so Aslan goes up to the stone table, and at the stone table, they kill him. They sacrifice him. And everybody there thinks that they've won the victory. And so what they do is they leave his dead body on that table and they take off to go to war with the rest of Narnia and destroy Narnia and take over and take control of it over the people there. And the two of the sisters have followed Aslan and they're, they're up there and they're crying over him and they're, 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 they're just broken. And they said, hey, we need to get back to the fight. We've got to go fight. And as they go to leave, they hear this big crash. And they look back, and Aslan's, Aslan's body is gone, and the table is broken. And, and they've wondered what's happened. And then Aslan comes walking up, just in full glory, full mane, just whole again. And they said, what happened? Let me read to you his explanation. Susan, one of the sisters, says, but what does it all mean? And he said, it means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time, but if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawn, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start to work backward. See, the witch only knew human wisdom. But Aslan knew the wisdom that came before the dawn of time. Why? Because he was there. Look at verses 10 through 13. 
These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. How come in verses or in verse 7 this secret and hidden wisdom how come we can know it because the spirit gives us understanding of it because he was present before time began. Kind of like Aslan said if the witch had been present she would have understood but all she knew was earthly wisdom. All she knew was a human wisdom but Aslan was there before that time began, he knew the wisdom the same way the Spirit, you know, in real life, because <laughs> listen, this is make-believe, all right? Um, in real life, the Spirit was present with God the Father, God the Son, that triune God present before time began, and he enters our lives and gives us understanding of that wisdom. That's why the gospel is not imparted through human wisdom. The power of the gospel is not in our ability to share it. And the church at that day was trying to understand spiritual things through human wisdom. And he's going, no, go back to the source. Go back to Jesus. He's our source of strength and wisdom. That's why there's divisions among you. Because you're not following who you should be following. So we have the Spirit. And let's finish up verse 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He gives us two terms here, the natural person and the spiritual person. Okay, And, and this should actually humble us. All right. If you're in here today going, you know what? I am a Christian. The Spirit has indwelled me. I'm the spiritual person. I have the wisdom. I have the understanding. I am better than the natural person. Then you've not actually grasped the gospel. You just have an intellect based on human wisdom. Because if we are a spiritual person indwelled by the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the gospel that the Spirit really proclaims to us and reveals to us, listen to me, should leave us face down before God every day. Like just laid out before him in humility. Honestly saying, God, why me? Why me? And then we see the natural person that doesn't understand it. I'm going to give you a little side note. We're going to go over here, side note. When we can grasp the natural person is going to act like a natural person and not somebody who's been indwelled by the Spirit, then once we grasp that, it will allow us to love those around us that are not Christians in a greater way. Because we stop expecting people who are not Christian to act like Christians. It it changes our view of people. Instead, we look at them and go, listen, if I was walking through the dark, I'd run into some walls too. I'd make some bad choices too. 
And therefore, we love them and we share the gospel. And we love them and we share the gospel. And when they tell us something that just seems, you know, you know what, that is not wisdom, that's foolishness, then we step back and go, the Spirit hasn't opened their eyes yet. And it changes how we interact with them. It changes how we treat them. And so you have the natural person who, who doesn't understand, doesn't accept, but to those who have been changed by the gospel, we have been given the Spirit of God and we have been given the mind of Christ. So our hearts and our minds have been renewed. And, and here's where we go today. We begin interpreting what happens around us in this world differently. The wisdom of the world changes, right? Yes, it changes. Okay, let me give you a funny, not so funny example. Kind of like the Reese's commercial, sorry, not sorry, okay? This is a funny, not so funny example. Um, we've moved past the point where we think it's a good idea to shove metal pins up people's noses and kind of scramble their brains and think they're fixed, right? No, are we still doing that? Like, yes, like we've moved past that. We know, okay, not smart to shove needles. All you old school students in here, you're not being taught that. I hope. Where this person's messed up, I've got an idea. I bet you if we put a needle in their brain through their nose, that's smart. We've moved past it. The wisdom of this world changes. But listen, the word of God does not. Because that wisdom comes from before time began. And we trust that. Now, I'll give you another one. And this, is, this comes more into, listen, y'all, this is our heritage. I want you to hear this. This is our heritage as Christians. The wisdom of the world says, we suspect somebody being a witch. Let's burn them. Let's send them to hell early. Instead of, they need the gospel. That is interpreting a spiritual matter with human wisdom. To say, let's burn them at the stake. Makes sense, right? Now, we consider and go, yeah, but they had good intentions. But they didn't have godly intentions. Because a godly intention would say they need the gospel. I'm just going to be honest with you. We don't physically burn anybody at the stake anymore. But in the way we treat them, in the way we speak about them, in the way we isolate ourselves from them, we burn a lot of people at the stake. You might have a family member who identifies as homosexual and if your reaction to that is, stay away from me, you burned him at the stake. If you have a family member who's had an abortion, and you say, don't ever talk to me again, you've burned him at the stake. Man, we burn people at the stake for having different political affiliations. It gets, hey, listen, and I'm, this is not easy to stand up here and say because Guilty. Guilty. It gets, it gets foolish real quick, y'all. It gets foolish real quick. 
when we start trying to interpret spiritual matters through human wisdom instead of interpreting things through the Spirit, through God's Word. That's what we need to be doing. That's where we need to be going. How do we look at the world? Because listen, there's a lot of things happening within the church today that are based on earthly wisdom. There's a lot of things happening based on earthly wisdom. And by and large, it's why the church is rendered powerless. Because we're going to figure it out, God. We don't need you. So let's, let's, let's bring it back up a little bit. It's been hard to hear, but I hope and pray that the Lord is convicting our hearts as to what it means to be a kingdom of the culture or to be a, or to be a, a citizen of the culture or to be a citizen of the kingdom. How are we interpreting the things going on around us? I can tell you one. I'll just, I'll just confess, repent right here. I, at one point in my life, said a Christian should never battle with depression or suicide. Because how could a Christian do that? They have Jesus. And I'm just, I'm just confessing and repenting right now. They can do it. You know why? Because I have. Until we face a lot of things, we sit on a really high horse until we face some things ourselves. So this is, this is an encouragement today, especially, and I want y'all to hear this, especially as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, that we don't come here going, I deserve this because I've been enlightened. Instead, we come to this table humbly, face down before God, saying, God, why me? And in a moment, we are going to come to this. So, Pat, do you want to go get Oaks, please? We're going to bring your kids back in here. We're going to do what we just kind of call fence the table. And we're just going to encourage you. If you're in here today and you don't know about a relationship with Jesus, don't worry about this. Take this time to ask God to draw you in, to give you an understanding of the gospel, to Awaken your heart, open your eyes to the gospel. But if you're in here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian, you have been changed by the Holy Spirit. As we come to this table, then there's some things we need to be doing. First of all, we need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to check our hearts. To, as, as was said in Scripture, to make sure there's no evil way within me. Check my heart, God. Search my heart. And if there is, listen, repent. Give that over to God. And right now, this is like, y'all, the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians are about this. If there's somebody in this room right now that you're like, I'm not talking to them because and fill in the blank, you need to go to them and reconcile before you come to this table. This is not a table of division. This is a table of unity. Literally, this is teaching us about unity. And this is showing the world unity. That we come and we put our faith in Jesus. But today, let us repent of those that we've burned at the stake 
as a church. And I'm not talking about repenting about witches that were burned hundreds of years ago. I'm talking about the people we're burning at the stake today. Because we're allowing ourselves to look at through things through the lens of culture instead of the lens of Scripture. Are you a citizen of the culture? Or are you a citizen of the kingdom? I'm going to pray. And we're going to... I'm going to invite Nick back up here to, to play and... Uh, you can even just turn the pads on. If the pads are on, Mark, you can just get those going. There we go. Thank you for your willingness, Nick. This is a time of repentance. Uh, if you're here today, mom and dad, if you've got your kids with you, um, if they are a believer, then now's the time to, to just take a moment to explain this to them, what it means. Um, if your child's here and, and you're like, you know what, I don't know if they put their faith in Jesus yet, then now's the time to share the gospel with them. Now's the time to share with them what this means. But then I encourage you, you know, individual, husband, wife, friends, family, whatever. When you're ready, after a time of just prayer, repentance, talking with somebody around you about this, then come up, take the bread, take the juice, pray over it as an individual, pray over it as a family, and then take it. We're not going to, you know, don't wait, don't wait for me, don't wait for anybody else. But as you come up here, just real quick, this is kind of a logistic thing. Um, if you're on this side, if you'll just walk up and around, and if you'll just come down, and we'll kind of make the flow go this way. There's two separate ones, so we can keep people moving. Um, and so I just want to encourage you with that. Let me pray for us as we go into this time of reflection uh, and repentance, and then uh, let the Lord lead you in uh, being a part of this table today. God, thank you. Thank you for your word, Spirit. Thank you for meeting with us today. We do not deserve it. We do not deserve your presence. We do not deserve your work in our lives. But thank you for marking us as children of God. God, thank you for adopting us into your family. God, as we take this time of reflection, if there is any uh, evil way in our hearts that you would reveal that, Lord, that we wouldn't make excuses for it, but that we would, we would wholeheartedly repent of that and give that over to you. If there's division in this room, Lord, use this today to heal it, that the unity of this church would show the world that we are your disciples. And God, in this time, if there is somebody here who does not know you, draw them in. Light up their hearts today with your gospel. Bring them into your family. God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name.